0: Welcome to my podcast, How To Parent Peacefully. Join me, Pamela Query, Certified Hand-in-Hand Parenting Instructor, as I share with you the secrets to parenting with connection, not control. If you're ready to enjoy raising your children by creating a peaceful home where kids want to cooperate and you keep your cool, you're in the right place. You'll be inspired to create a peaceful and playful home without resorting to threats or bribes, so that you can create lifelong, connected relationships with your kids and support them to be happy, confident, and peaceful. Welcome, dear parents. Well, welcome to episode 65 of How to Parent Peacefully. And this week we're going to answer some of your parenting questions. I'm going to take a little break from the podcast after this for maybe just a few weeks, I'm not sure how long, but I wanted to have a little celebration episode um, and answer your questions. And so I gave a shout out in my free Facebook group and I got lots of replies of Uh, questions that parents have so you're so welcome to join me over there on my facebook group it is called peacefully parenting under eights if you do a little search on facebook you should find it and you're so welcome to join us in there so we have a, a huge range of questions today we have some questions about consent about sleepovers about a couple of questions about school and dealing with teachers in school i have some questions about chores about getting our children to listen, about death and other people's reactions to how we deal with death with our children and grief. It's a question about sibling rivalry as well. So there's going to be loads of interesting stuff in here. So let's get stuck in. Okay, the first question I have is from Jessica. And Jessica is asking about sleepovers. Sleepovers, yes or no? And Jessica is afraid that with having a son and a father, there are wor- she worries that there might be accusations made um, that they that her husband or her son could get accused of sexual misconduct or if she allows her daughter to sleep over at someone's house that she'll be treated poorly or be on the receiving end of sexual misconduct okay so jessica yes sleepovers are a total minefield i hear you <laughs> i get it as well um what i would say is that i would first and foremost always trust your gut trust what you're comfortable with Only do what you what you really feel comfortable with around sleepovers. And it's absolutely okay to say no to sleepovers. Um, And I think if you are saying no to sleepovers, if you decide it's not right, your child is too young. And I think certainly if a child is under 10, now it really depends on the child, of course, and their maturity and um, how they, you know, how confident they are. But I think an under 10 year old, a sleepover is a big deal and parents need to think really carefully about whether it's the right thing for them or not. Of course sometimes sleepovers can be really um can be really really helpful as well if you have somebody that you really trust and your child feels really comfortable with and they're happy to stay over there it can really lift the burden for you in this you know relentless day in day out job of parenting it can help to share the load so it can be really helpful for some parents as a way of getting a little bit of a break but of course we need to look at our look at the child in front of us and also you know, what we're comfortable with and make a decision from that place. There's no right or wrong. It's different for every family. So some families, sleepovers will really work. For other families, they'll be a little bit more cautious. But it's absolutely okay to say no to sleepovers if you're not comfortable with them. Uh, I would say that, you know, if you do say no and your daughter, it's something that your daughter is really keen about, that can lead to a lot of conflict. So I find it's helpful instead of just saying, no, that's it. It's always explaining your reasoning in an age appropriate way and not when your child is really upset like maybe take a moment whenever they are calm and able to listen well and then talk to them about your concerns about why you're not comfortable about sleepovers it, you know you don't want to frighten them you're not going to go into too much detail when they are quite young but as they get older you're able to talk about the safety aspects and what your worries are and you know that that is ongoing learning for your child so but when you're doing that if you have a lot of fear around sleepovers a lot of fear around um this 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 issue of sexual misconduct, um, or sexual abuse, then I think it's really helpful to work on your fears before you make decisions or before you talk to your kids about it, because they'll pick up on that fear and they'll sense that fear and it'll make them feel unsafe and worried and um, you know it'll cause more problems. So working on your own fears. Uh, whether that's talking to a friend about it, whether that's journaling or my favorite one, which is uh, listening partnerships. So you find a listener, you exchange time and we have some really clear guidelines around how that works to increase the safety. But whenever you do that, you can really dig into your own fears, like what's coming up for you and. Um, around uh, sleepovers and the risks involved. And often if we have a very tight feeling about it, there's something there, there's some emotional charge behind it, and it can be really helpful just to explore that a little bit. So you can get really clear in your thinking. So you're not acting from this place of fear, you're acting from this place of empowerment and informed decision-making. And you can communicate that to your child much more clearly then. So um, if you do decide to that yes you're going to go for the sleepover well you know you get to do it on your own terms so um you maybe will want to choose people that you know really really well and you really trust and you know exactly who's going to be in the house um, and you feel really confident with that especially if your child is younger uh if, you, if you've got any kind of iffy feeling if you're not sure then it's better to trust your gut on that also maybe waiting until your child is old enough so they have until they have a phone so that they're able to contact you if there's any issues or they're not comfortable and then having those ongoing chats about um, uh, you know about uh, tricky people you know the people that make you feel uncomfortable and what do you do whenever you feel unsafe or uncomfortable and, and uh, helping your child to develop that Uh, that emotional literacy around that and what to do whenever they're not feeling comfortable. And you can do that in little conversations like peppered throughout their, um, you know, peppered throughout your day, and your week, your months, that you can discuss these things with your children as they come up so that you feel really confident that they know how to deal with these things. So it's in your hands, you get to do, you get to choose what's right for your family. um, And I really trust that you will work this out and, and make the right decisions about it okay so that is sleepovers okay so the next question is from kirsten so kirsten asks how to address teachers yelling at kids in your child's school okay so this is a really tricky one um and first up just to say shouting is not okay it's not acceptable it's not an acceptable behavioral management strategy in a school i don't believe even if your child is witnessing other children being shouted at, even if it's not them being shouted at, it can have a really huge impact. It used to happen with my daughter and she would come home really afraid whenever she had seen somebody else uh, being shouted at because she'd be thinking, you know, is it me next? You know, how do you approach it? How do you deal with it? And it's really hard. It's really hard to go in and, and talk to a school system and talk to teachers about these issues for a number of reasons. One is that it's often hard to change a school system. It's really hard to change the culture of a school from the outside. A lot of it depends on the principal and the policies that are in place and how the school is run. So it can be really, really hard. can feel like really difficult to go in there and try and make changes. And then also we have all our own baggage around school. So it can be really intimidating for us because most of us, when we were in school, we were overpowered by teachers and told what to do and made to feel small. Uh, that was most of our experience. So then whenever we go back into that school system, we get triggered. All that old stuff comes up and it can be really, really hard to think clearly and to you, you sort of go back into um, feeling like a child in that like power dynamic again. So it's good to bear that in mind. And then, of course, you want to, it is your job as a parent to advocate for your child. And uh, I think that is a responsibility we've got to take seriously. And if your child is, if you're aware of the fact that there's shouting going on and it's having an impact on your child, then uh, it can be really hard to do. But I think it's it's our role as parent to advocate for. Our children in those situations. Now, so that would involve um, finding out as much as you can from your child about what's happening, how it's affecting them. And they mightn't be able to verbalize it very well, but you'll have a good sense of what's going on. Um, and then to maybe talk to the school, talk to the teacher. Talk, I, I would kind of go in with talking at the bottom level first and talk to the individual that is involved. And then, you know, going up the chain of command If you're not getting the answers or the responses that you want, um, I think a really good place to start, as well as asking for the school's behavioural policies, and you know what is their approach to behaviour and what you know are they following it, so that would give you um, a good idea of how things are meant to go, Um, and then you know you can you can use that as a as a starting point for your conversation. Another thing though to remember is that whenever you go in and have these conversations with the school, I think it you know. Um, and Kirsten, I know you really value gentle parenting. And whenever we really value gentle parenting, it goes further and beyond the parent-child relationship. It goes into all of our relationships. And our children are watching and noticing of how we talk about people, how we interact with people, how we deal with conflict, um, how we resolve issues. So we, we need to bring this as far as we can, we're only human as well, and uh, we weren't raised in this way. So it's like learning a new way of being. But to try and um approach these interactions in a similar way as you'd approach the interactions with your child when you're trying to try your best to parent gently. So instead of coming in with what's wrong with you, you're at fault, you just need to change, you need to fix this. And I'm not saying you would come in with this person at all, but um, you know, often we can go in with guns blazing and you know you are you are wrong you need to change and you know and that very much belongs in this sort of control based relating paradigm that we're trying to move away from and with our children and we're trying to move towards this more connection relationship based uh interaction so if we think about that in terms of interacting with the teachers in the school we come from a place of like of really believing and knowing that these teachers are doing their best that often it is the school system that is uh, at fault and isn't serving the teachers, isn't serving the students well. And the teachers are struggling. They are undervalued. They are overworked. They are tired. They often have far too many children in their class. They have to manage behaviour somehow. They can't give one-to-one emotional support to every child. That's not how the system is set up. And, you know, things get out of hand. They cannot often have um, children in, this, in the class that... Are, um, are challenging to deal with because they're not in the in a healthy setting for them and they aren't thriving in that setting and they start to cause problems in the class uh, so the teacher's juggling all of this so i think it's really helpful to 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 start with empathy and really trying to understand like these teachers are doing their best and why are if this is their best why are they behaving in this way why are they feeling that they have to shout and I'm sure it is a last resort. I'm sure they don't want to be doing that. I'm sure they're really struggling and, and that's not what they planned. They set out the at the beginning of the year to be shouting at the children. So I think it's really good to come from that place of understanding, looking below, looking underneath the, their surface behaviour and looking at um the feelings and the needs that are actually driving that um, behaviour, just as we would with our children. So I think that's a really helpful approach to take. Um, and you know, to go in and talk to the teacher with with a curiosity and wanting to find out and wanting to know um, what's what's happening and how you might be able to contribute to any kind of solution. Perhaps asking how you can, you know, look at the behavioural policy together. You could suggest some hand in hand resources. We actually have a page all about um, using hand in hand in educational settings. It's on the main hand in hand website you have to come in at the beginning is with some empathy and understanding and curiosity. And then you also do have to advocate for your child and and share with them how this is impacting on your child. But with an an aim to try and solve it together. That's a big ask when you're feeling triggered and you want to protect your child and you've got all these kind of school baggage that you're carrying around with you as well. So getting lots of listening time um, to clear out all those fears and worries and everything that's going on can be really, really helpful as well so that's about how you would maybe deal with it on the school side the other thing is how would you deal with it to how would you support your child with it if your child is impacted by this which it sounds like they probably are so I think that it's really it's of course it's so po- important it's your job to do your best to support your child so the first thing is validating how they're feeling not brushing it off not brushing it under the carpet not ignoring it so um acknowledging how they're feeling tell them that you believe them and you know and show that empathy and curiosity towards what's going on and try and find out as much as possible. Let them know that they haven't done anything wrong. And part of validating how they're feeling, you can say, you know, okay, I hear you, I get it. But unless you take some sort of action, then they're maybe going to feel like they weren't heard. So, you know, actually advocating for them is really important as well. But the first step when they share anything with you is validating how they're feeling and taking it seriously, Um, which you're obviously doing because you're asking a question about it, which is amazing. Let your child know that you're on their side and it's not okay to shout at children and you're going to try and sort it out. Um, Talk to them about why shouting isn't okay, you know, and you can be honest with them as in, I know sometimes I shout, but I'm really working hard on that and I know it's not helpful and I know it's not okay to shout and I'm doing my best with that. And the same goes for the teachers that sometimes they get tired and stressed, doesn't make it okay, but it's good to help your child understand what's going on. That we aren't we don't just reduce things down to you know it's us against them and it's you know good against good versus bad and you know it, it's a lot more nuanced than that and you can talk depending on your child's maturity you can talk to them about the issues and about the the wider school system and how maybe if you had control of it you would design it a little bit different so that teachers were better treated and that students were better treated and everybody could get along a little bit better so um I think having those conversations and really taking seriously what your child is saying will help them feel really seen and heard and will help you know and minimize the impact that's going to have on them another couple of things um and oh yeah another thing that is really helpful is if you can do special time with your child if you're regularly doing special time and that's the one on one play time where they get to be in charge They that's going to help them process. Children don't process through talking and speaking about what happened. They process through play. So if you can provide the safe space uh, regularly, doesn't have to be every day, but maybe a couple of times a week where you have like 10 or 15 minutes where they are in charge. They get to bring to that space, whatever it is they're working on. And that's going to really help them feel seen and secure and loved. And it's really going to help to counter that that feeling of powerlessness and fear that they're feeling in school. So that's a real practical thing that you can do to support them. So I hope that is helpful, Kirsten. Okay, the next question is from Natasha. uh, And she says, she asks, my granny recently passed away and I involve my kids age seven and 13 with the wake prayers and the cremation. And my 13 year old even gave a speech at the funeral service, but I was inundated with comments from the wider family all day about how I shouldn't have had them there. Any advice, please? Okay. So Natasha, first of all, I'm really sorry for your loss. Sorry that you lost your dear, your dear granny. And, um, and you know, it's really hard. It's really hard when you are uh, getting coming to terms with that loss and then also supporting your children with that as well. Um, and, and, I think it is so lovely that you involved your children. I believe it's really important. Uh, In the past, we used to exclude children from the whole death and dying and funerals. And, you know, I know from some personal stories of of people that as children, they were excluded from, completely excluded from close family members' funerals. And it made it really, really difficult for them, even as adults, to process that grief and to come to terms with that grief because it was it wasn't spoken about it was you know people pretended that it didn't happen and they just carried on with life as normal and that's really confusing to children and of course the adults who responded in that way they were doing their best they were trying to um, you know not make a big fuss and we're trying to make it as easy as possible for the children and they thought it was a good idea let's carry on as though nothing has happened and that will help the children get over it and we now know that that is not the case that children are so tuned in to what's going on and it really and they can handle They can handle death whenever they have supportive adults around them who are are tuning in and noticing what's going to be helpful and supporting them with it. And I know that that's exactly what you've done here that you've tuned into your children. And of course, this mightn't be appropriate to every, you know, some children mightn't want to be involved and they might want to, might not want to be any part of it. And this is the key thing is that you um, tune into your own children and you work out what they need and what is best for them. And I know that you did that in this situation, that you um, that you knew that your kids wanted to be involved. You have incorporated them into the whole process in ways that are appropriate to your kids' personalities. You're really attuned to what they needed and you knew it was going to help them. And I think that is you've really put them first and you've done what's best for you and your family. So I think it's really lovely that you thought well about how to involve them in the whole process. And I'm so sorry that that your wider family weren't able to see clearly how amazingly well you were supporting your children with this whilst dealing with your own grief and probably dealing with like a million other things that were going on at the same time in terms of organising and, uh, you know, putting your life on hold and all those other things that happen around funerals. So I'm really, really sorry that your family couldn't see that but but I can see that I can see how much caring went into this and I can see how much thought went into how you dealt with this so I think that it's it can be quite easy for us in especially when we feel under attack to sort of uh, respond with well, we can kind of respond. We often respond in one of two ways whenever we feel like under attack. People are criticizing our parenting. That sometimes we can direct the the hurt outwards and say, you know, what do they know? They're being so rude and they're interfering and how unkind. And you know, take it out, take it out on them. Or perhaps often we turn it in on ourselves and we feel we start to feel really guilty or ashamed and we start to feel like questioning, doubting ourselves really feeling bad about how we've dealt with it. There's something wrong with me. I've gone about this all wrong. So often that's how we deal with these kind of conflict situations. We either blame other people, we blame ourselves. But with this gentle parenting approach, as I was saying in in the previous question, is um, we're trying to relate to not just our children in a gentle and empathic and respectful way, but those around us too. And our kids are always watching. How I like to approach it is I like to look underneath that surface behaviour. And I like to assume that they were meaning well for you and your family and that they want the best for you and your family. So let's go from that place. You know, let's assume their goodness, just as we always assume the goodness of our children. And, you know, try and get a try and empathize and try and understand why are they why they're responding in that way. So if we come from that pa- place, if we kind of think like, why were they responding like that? you know with this presumption that they're doing their best and they mean the best for you deep down with can come out in kind of unusual ways of course but we kind of can translate that Uh, we can translate what they're saying and and get to the caring underneath so I'm, I'm I mean I'm guessing here but what I'm guessing is that they were probably coming from a place of of worry and concern wanting the best for you and wanting the best for the kids and also from a place of fear like they maybe were thinking you know is this is too much for the kids um is you know is this appropriate and you know deep down they're they're worried for every, how everybody's doing and like I said we had this long history of not involving kids and deaths and funerals and you are changing that history because you know that it's the right thing for your kids, and you have been able to tune into that. So it's not easy to be the one to bring about these kind of changes and to really break these cycles and do things differently. Um, and but but you're stepping up and you're doing that. and that's that's really, you know, I think that's really amazing. But whenever you do that, people get uncomfortable with it and they want things just to stay how they how they are, and they don't want to see things being done differently. Uh, it brings up a lot of fear in people, you let's just keep it the same, let's just stay small, keep doing it the way we've always done it, Um, and then I don't have to deal with any of my uncomfortable feelings that are coming up. So um, I think for me anyway, it helps to really look at things from that perspective. So if you come from that place, maybe, you know, you could say or even think inside your head something like, you know, thank you, thank you for your concern. I really hear that, you know, you're worried about the kids being involved, and I just want to reassure you that I deeply care about supporting them with understanding death and uh, and grieving for their granny their great granny and you know I I know my kids really really well I know they can handle it I know this is going to really help them to process it and uh, you could perhaps share with them and that you know I know in the past that children were often sheltered from death and I also know that that is often not very helpful for children to actually process it. You know, death is a natural part of life. They can learn about it when they're younger, then they're going to be able to deal with it as they grow older. And, you know, I really believe it helps them to be involved. And, you know, this is what works for my family. And I'm very aware of how, of the impact it has on them. And I'm doing everything I can to keep them safe and help them make sense of death. I know it's a difficult topic for all of us and we all have a lot of baggage and grief we are carrying, but I think this is the best decision for my family. And thank you for thank you for your concern. Now, you don't have to say all that, but, you know, but those are the types of things that might be helpful to communicate to them in a way that will connect with them. And in a way of just like, you know, thanks for your concern. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Um, And of course, you don't have to justify yourself to your family if you don't feel like it, or if they are quite uh, determined to uh, share their views or push your views onto you. Uh, You could do a simple like, you know, thanks for your concern. The kids are fine. I'm looking out for them. They want to be involved and I'm fine with that. You know, you can just keep it really simple and say something like that. But most of all, just stay really strong in your belief. You don't have to doubt yourself that, you know, you know what your children need most and you are... Doing amazing work to support them. And I think it's so, so lovely that you have involved them in that way. Um, and you know, if you're not responsible for how it makes everybody else feel. You're doing what's best for your family, and just stick with that. Okay. I hope that's helpful, Natasha. I also have a podcast episode number forty six, which is about um, supporting our children to cope with grief, death, and dying. Now that talks more about how to how to um, support our children. Uh, not the adults around who are are getting involved as well but you might find that helpful or others might find it helpful. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my question and answer session. Uh, I've run out of time in this episode but I continue answering questions in my next episode so be sure to catch that one. Thanks so much for joining me. Would you like to get your kids listening so you don't have to shout and instead you can start enjoying being a parent? Then pop along to my website pamtheparentcoach.com or follow the link in the show notes to get signed up to my next virtual masterclass. See you next time.